What's up, everybody? Episode 115 of the Howl Infinity Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob, and we got a great episode lined up for today, folks. On today's episode, we're talking about the new Venom movie, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Came out this past weekend, so I'm going to give you my thoughts and reactions to that film. And then, we're talking about the show that's been taking over the internet for the past few weeks, Squid Games. So I'll give you my thoughts on that as well, and give you a show similar to Squid Games that you may enjoy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, 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 that time of weekend, everybody. Episode 115 of the Howl Infinity Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host, Jacob. First time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back for another fantastic episode. Like always, follow us on our social media sites. Follow us on Facebook at High on Infinity Podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at High Infinity Pod. Or follow me, the host, on my personal accounts, Twitter and Instagram at So Yeah I'm Asian. And if you didn't get all that, just hit the link tree link up in the bio of the podcast. Has all our podcast social media sites and our podcast streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. And last but not least, if you like what you hear, please leave your boy a five-star review on your preferred streaming platform. That will be greatly, greatly appreciated. So, hope everybody's doing good this week. I'm doing pretty great myself. Weekend was all right. Nothing too much went down. Watch some college football, watch some NFL football. Suffered my first loss in fantasy football, so I got to bounce back this upcoming week. Played some video games and went to the movies as well. So just a regular weekend for me. You know, fall is here. The weather is getting cold. or Not colder, but cooler. Slowly but surely, I'm more of a fall slash winter kind of guy. I'm just tired of this damn heat. I tell you, like I'm tired of walking out my home and by the time I get to my damn car I'm already sweating but yeah it's that time of the year where it's gonna stop being so damn hot outside but enough with all that let's dive into this week's topics so this past weekend Sony in association with Marvel their words not mine released their newest movie Venom let there be carnage but for simplicity purposes I'll just be calling it Venom 2 like I said last week I really had no plans on talking about this on the podcast, but, you know, plans change sometimes. That's life. Saw the first Venom movie a couple weeks ago for the very first time to get ready for this movie. I liked it for the most part better than I thought it was going to be. And some stuff leading into this movie, like rumors and other stuff I'm seeing online, really piqued my interest to go see this movie. And I'll get to that stuff later. General reactions to Venom 2. Liked it for the most part, not the best thing, not the worst thing. It was short, sweet, and straight to the point. Like I said in my reactions video I put out over the weekend, thank you for all the likes and shares of that. The movie was only 90 minutes. Like when the movie started, I looked at my phone and it was 1 o'clock. And after the post credit scene and, and I left the theater, I looked at my phone again and it was 2.30. And I looked at the runtime before going into the movie because I'm weird like that. I like to look at how long the movie's going to be. Before I go in, I just like to know what I'm getting myself into so I can, you know, plan accordingly. That's just me. You know, I know I'm weird. But yeah, the movie was only 90 minutes long. I was like, oh, that's a 
It's a little quick, ain't it? I was thinking to myself, is this enough time for them to get everything across, you know, plot-wise? Before the movie, I was already like, yeah, they probably needed to add an extra 10 or 15 minutes. You know, you know, that's me just thinking it to myself going in. But after watching it, I was like, yeah, they didn't need that extra runtime. They got everything they wanted to get across in this movie. They got the villain backstory, the ups and downs the hero goes through. And they set it up to where the hero and the villain are going to meet up for that final climactic battle. All the things we needed, we got it. Also, this movie had like a real comedic tone to it as well. A little too comedic at a couple points in time throughout the movie, but that's just me being nitpicky. Like to me, it wasn't as bad as like some of the Deadpool jokes. Like in the Deadpool jokes, they're similar to Family Guy jokes. Like it's funny when a punchline hits. But if you drag it out an extra 10 to 15 seconds, it just loses its luster. Like in this movie, we saw Venom at a rave. You know, for story purposes, I can see why they did that. I'll explain later. I could personally have dealt without it. But there's a lot of good things I liked about this movie as well. I like the villain Carnage. Really like the look of Carnage in this movie. He had like, you know, of course he's red with the black outlines around his eyes because Carnage is an offshoot of Venom. So he had a little part of Venom in him. He had these like tentacle looking things that came out of his body and they could form into weapons. Like a lot of people, including myself, thought that this movie should have been rated R because there was a lot of killing in this movie. And to me, if we would have saw it in its full effect, it would have added to this movie as a whole. And there's a lot of things I liked about this movie as well. So here we're going to dive into some of the plot related stuff. Not doing my usual format when I talk about you know, movies, you know, first a spoiler-free section. Then we're going to dive into all the plot stuff in the spoiler section. But since this movie is so short, I'm just going to combine it all into one segment. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, just get down to the next section of this episode. But if you just dabble in like the superhero movies, like to me, this movie doesn't have, or for what I see, doesn't have an effect in the bigger picture of it all. I'll explain that later. post credit scene is a different story, though. And that's why the post credit scene needs a whole segment dedicated to just that. But jumping into the movie, like I said, I really like the villain Carnage in this movie. And we start off the movie with his backstory. So the person who becomes Carnage is Cletus Cassidy. Like, his name just escaped me last week. I couldn't remember his name to save my life. Yeah, but Cletus Cassidy is Carnage. He's in, like, this, I guess, insane asylum. He killed his mom and he killed his grandma. So I assume that's where they send you after you do that when you're a kid. And I assume the cell next to him was his girlfriend named Frances. She's taken away because her powers are acting up. And when she gets taken away, she does the whole, you know, I love you. I'll never forget about you stuff. Like this movie worked as a love story in a way too. Like one person is trying to find his love while the other person is trying to let go of the one he loves. But all that stuff I just explained was in the past. Now we're in present day. And Eddie Brock is now a investigative journalist. And he was requested by Cassidy, who's on death row now, for an interview. Because he's the only person Cassidy doesn't refuse to talk to. And the FBI hates Eddie for that. They're like, how this damn Vice News-esque reporter can get this information out of him. But we can't. Because Eddie and Venom were able to find the bodies that Cassidy has buried throughout the years. And I guess that was enough to expedite his uh, death penalty date. Right before he's going to die by lethal injection, Cassidy requests to talk to Eddie one more time. 
And this is where we saw in the trailer where Cassidy bites Eddie and gets the symbiote that makes him become Carnage. Because in the comics, I think in the comics they said that Carnage and Ca or Cassidy and Eddie were cellmates. And when Eddie escaped, he cut himself and some of his blood got infused with Cassidy's blood. But in this movie, he just bites him. And in the trailer, when Cassidy bit Eddie, I was like, why would you get that close to a killer? But in the movie, Cassidy started to provoke Eddie. And that's where Venom took over and he started attacking. And that's how Cassidy got close enough to bite Eddie. And that was basically the fallout between Eddie and Venom. And I assume this has been brewing between them since the first movie. And I think they said that this movie takes place about a year, year and a half after the first Venom movie. And throughout that time, Eddie finds out that his ex from the first movie is getting married and he doesn't like it. And Venom thinks that Eddie didn't fight hard enough to keep her. Then add to the fact that Venom can't eat people and basically can't have any fun around Eddie. So they quote unquote break up. They separate. Venom goes to find a new host. And while all that is going on, Cassidy becomes Carnage, escapes jail, and breaks his girlfriend out, who has like a supersonic screaming power, which is bad because symbiotes hate sound and fire. But this is where they build up to the final fight between Venom and Carnage. Carnage kidnaps Eddie's ex, Annie. But before that, Eddie and Venom reconcile because they're meant for each other. Because for a symbiote to survive, it and his host need to be compatible. And later we find out that between Venom and Carnage, the former is compatible with his host while the latter is not. Now we get to the final battle. Venom and Carnage are beating the hell out of each other. And it's like Cathedral. Francis, Cassidy's girlfriend, tries to stop Carnage. Carnage tries to kill her while Cassidy tries to stop it. And this is enough for Venom to defeat Carnage. And after the fight, Venom eats Cassidy and Carnage. And Eddie says goodbye to his ex, Annie. Then we get to the end of the movie. Eddie and Venom's relationship has never been better. And that's basically Venom 2. Short, sweet, straight to the point. They gave us everything we needed to know. Why this movie had a little bit of it all. Action, comedy, drama, character development. And I wouldn't be shocked if there is a Venom 3. By the way, the post credit scene played out. The future of Venom looks very, very, very bright. So the post credit scene for Venom 2 played out like this. So we see Eddie and Venom in like this rundown-ass hotel room. And they were talking about how in relationships, you can't keep secrets from each other. And Venom was like, well, I got something to tell you. Venom tells Eddie that symbiotes have knowledge of other existing universes. Then they suddenly get teleported to this fancy hotel room. And on the TV is the ending of Spider-Man Far From Home. Where the news reveals Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker. And I was like, damn. They really did it. They pulled the trigger on this. Spider-Man and Venom are officially a part of the same universe now. I have so many thoughts on this. But that's a good thing. First, I'll get my question out the way. Like, who teleported Eddie and Venom to Peter Parker's universe? Because in the post credit scene, Venom said he didn't do it. And I thought to myself, Doctor Strange probably did it. That's probably the best bet right there. But also, at the same time, I was thinking, if this newscast is running in real time, that would have happened before Peter Parker went to Doctor Strange to change things back like we see in the No Way Home trailer, resulting in opening alternate universes. Or maybe they saw this after the fact because I'm pretty sure 
like a news story this big will be covered for the next few days or even weeks at that. But I assume folks really don't care who or how Venom got there. At the end of the day, Spider-Man and Venom are in the same universe now. So on last week's episode, I said it will be far-fetched if Tom Holland appeared in this movie in the post credit scene more than likely. Granted, he technically did appear, but I meant like Tom Holland wouldn't physically be there like him and Eddie and Venom all in the same room. That's what I meant when I said it's kind of far-fetched for Tom Holland to be in the Venom post credit scene. But going into the movie and while watching the movie, I was like, yeah, in the post credit scene, they're going to hint at Spider-Man in some form or fashion. Because the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer was the last thing they showed before the movie. They hinted at Spider-Man a couple times in the movie. Venom had a quote, something along the lines of like, responsibility is for the weak. No, that's the opposite of the Spider-Man quote. With great power comes great responsibility. Then, in one scene, they showed Cassidy killing a spider. And a lot of people took that as a reference as well. Then, in my opinion, they had a couple references or homages. I think last week I said homages, but, you know, y'all know what I meant. Yeah, they had some homages to Spider-Man 2 and the Amazing Spider-Man 2, in my opinion. Because in Spider-Man 2, you know, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker quit being Spider-Man. And in this movie, Eddie and Venom separated. So, we went through a brief period of time in both movies where there was no hero. Then, at the end, during the final fight... Carnage threw Eddie's girlfriend or Eddie's ex-girlfriend Annie down like a bell tower and Venom saved her from falling. The opposite of what happened when uh, Spider-Man tried to save Gwen Stacy in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So they snuck that in there as well. You just had to have a watchful eye. So what does the future hold for Venom now? Well, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Venom at least one more time before or if there is a Venom 3. We could possibly see him in Spider-Man No Way Home. It's not outside the realm of possibility now. But which side Venom is going to be on? Is he going to be on the Sinister Six side and be the sixth member? They already have five of them right now. Uh, Doc Ock, Wizard, Sandman, Electro, and Green Goblin. Or will he help Spider-Man and possibly you know the other two Spider-Men and fight off the Sinister Six? I think it's going to be the latter because Venom called himself the lethal protector in this movie and in the comics that this Venom movie or these Venom movies are based on. In that series, he eventually teams up with Spider-Man. And in the post credit scene, I think Venom pointed out on the TV screen where he saw Spider-Man. He's like, you know, he's the reason why we're here. Why this guy must need our help or something. So this post credit scene kicked up the hype for Spider-Man No Way Home, kicked it into overdrive. So as of now, the lineup for Spider-Man No Way Home is, of course, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, The Sinister Six, we'll follow them right now, and possibly Daredevil, the other two Spider-Men, and Venom. If all of them are in this movie, it's going to be crazy as hell. But we got to wait and see when the movie comes out in December. We should get at least one more trailer before then, and I'll cover that, of course, you know, on the podcast whenever that comes out. But anyways... What a time to be alive. The Marvel multiverse is wide open. Venom and Spider-Man are a part of the same universe now. I don't know if we consider Venom a part of the MCU as a whole. You would assume because he's in the same universe as Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is in the MCU. That means Venom should be in the MCU. But we already know Marvel and Sony have a rocky relationship when it comes to the Spider-Man character. So I assume they're not just going to hand over one of their other characters without some kind of catch to it. 
But at the moment, No Way Home is the final Spider-Man movie between Marvel and Sony. But maybe, since Venom is in the mix now, this could spark a new partnership between the two studios. Because at the end of the day, it's all about making money and making fans happy. And having Venom in the MCU can accomplish both. But wrapping things up, to steal a phrase from the world of wrestling, the forbidden door has been opened now. Venom is in the same universe as Spider-Man and possibly in the MCU as well. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for Venom. taking the internet by storm the past couple weeks has been squid game i think i said squid games in the intro but that's one of the very few times where i record the intro on one try you'll be shocked by how many tries it takes me to record just like a little minute intro but yeah it's called squid game not squid games and usually netflix has a show that takes over social media at least once a year of course, last year in 2020 was Tiger King, and now this year is Squid Game. And most people have either seen the show or seen the memes about it on social media. Last week, I said I was in the midst of watching it, and I finished it within the past week. Overall, I liked it a lot, thought it was very good, but the ending left more to be desired. And I'll get to that later on. But it didn't take away from my experience of watching it as a whole in today's age where you know like a trend is happening people want to claim that they were on it before social media picked it up i want to say i was in the middle of that like i discovered squid game just scrolling down twitter i saw netflix post a picture of it and i was like this looks interesting saw it on netflix it was trending number one i was like must be popular i guess watched a couple episodes then a couple days later squid game was like the biggest trending thing on social media apparently squid game is on track to become the biggest show ever on netflix and that says a lot because netflix has some pretty big shows throughout its time of course he had orange is the new black down to one of my personal favorites stranger things hell yeah tiger king and money heist is real popular too to me i couldn't get into money heist like everyone else did like, I don't know. I, I watched it and I was like, it's okay. Like, I don't see, like, the big overall hype about it. Granted, I do watch it off and on. I only seen, like, two seasons of Money Heist. But it's like I watch a few episodes and take some time off, come back to it, take some time off. Watched a couple episodes a few weeks ago after, like, taking time off for, like, a year on Money Heist. Maybe I'll give it another shot though, but hey, back to Squid Game. So what is Squid Game? So Squid Game is like, it's a South Korean show, I want to say. You know, got to be politically correct here when differentiating the Koreas. You know, South Korea, a little more leeway down there while North Korea can't do a damn thing. You know, just plain and simple. But it's a show about a series of games that's played that targets people with financial trouble, whether you're poor owe someone money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they play kid games like Red Light, Green Light, and Tug of War. And the catch is if you lose, you die. And if you win, you move on. And if you make it to the end, you win a lot of money. Easy as that. And I can see why the show got really popular in America. Basically, to me, 
If you like the Saw movies, you'll like Squid Game. Now, speaking to my friend AJ the other day from the Red Room podcast, go check that out on all your streaming platforms. And we were talking about like how shows like this are super popular, you know, in the Asian countries like Korea and Japan or South Korea and Japan. Like shows like Squid Game are as common in those countries as are like singing competitions are in America. And we were talking about it as like people like Squid Game, but they don't want to give anime a chance. Basically, you know, there's plenty of premises in anime where like you play a game, you win, you move on, you lose, you die. But that's a little conversation we had a few days ago. But some of the highlights of Squid Game, definitely the episodes where they play the games, like the first episode where they play red, white, green, white. To me, that set the tone of the show. They showed that they ain't playing no damn games when it comes to this. I was like, oh, damn. They that serious about this? Like, if you move during the red light, they shoot you down. And if you're not dead, someone comes by and hits you with a double tap. In the second game, where they had to, like, cut out the shape in that sugar mold, that game was crazy. The Tug of War episode was crazy. And the episode where they played marbles, that was probably the wildest episode to me. Because in that game, you had to split off into pairs, and they don't tell you nothing before going into the game. Then they find out that the loser of each Marvel game would die. And because, you know, they told him to split up, naturally, everybody paired up with a friend. Hell, even one pair was a husband and wife. And I was like, what the hell y'all got into in order for both of y'all had to come down here and play these damn games? But yeah, that episode right there was definitely the best one to me. Also, I like all the different types of characters they had as well. I'm going to refer to them, or most of them, by their game number because I don't want to butcher their names. And if you've seen the show, you know, uh, four, was he 456, the last contestant, he had a gambling addiction and he owned Loan Shark's money. Also, he was in the games as well to pay for his mom's hospital bills because she was sick. And he was a good guy for the most part. Not father of the year, I'll get to that, but yeah, a good character for the most part. And then... <laughs> You got to like the villain of the contestants, almost everybody's favorite character in the show, Song Woo, number 218, and that damn Song Woo. Like I knew this man was crooked from the jump. Like he was in there for like bank fraud or insurance fraud or something along the lines of that. So I knew he was a bad person. And after what he did to my guy Ali in the Marvel game, I was like, damn, just straight took advantage of a man's kindness. But like I said, I like Squid Game for the most part. The only real gripe I'd had was with the last episode. Well, two gripes about the last episode. I felt like the last game they played was too short. Like, this was supposed to be the big climactic end of the games. Granted, what happened was good still, but it was just too short for me. Like, it happened within the first 10 minutes of the episode. And the last episode was like an hour long. And I was like, damn, what are we going to do for the next 50 minutes then? But they showed... The main character, like, a year after the games were over, they had a nice little twist in the final episode as well. I'm not going to reveal that. I was like, wow, I did not expect that to happen. But the second garbage about the show was the end of the last episode where the main character decides to go back to the games. I'm like, dude, you were right there at the airport. Go see your daughter. Go be a good dad. And I was like... Couldn't he just went to see his daughter and came back, then go back to the games? That probably been a smart choice, but he chose to go back to the games. I was like, damn. But like I said, I really enjoyed Squid Game. 
At this point in time, I read that there's no plans for a season two, even though the show is extremely popular now. I wouldn't mind a season two, to be honest. They got a couple of storylines to go off of from season one. Of course, the main character going back to shut the games down. Then they got the storyline with the cop as well. I don't think that's been, you know, completed yet. So yeah, so Squid Game has been gaining popularity over the past few weeks. And with the popularity of Squid Game, another show has been gaining popularity as well on Netflix. And that show is called Alice in Borderland. So Alice in Borderland is a show that falls in the same realm as Squid Game. It's a Japanese show that's actually based on the manga. And if you search for Squid Game on Netflix, Alice in Borderland is probably going to be right next to it or in the recommended section underneath it. This is how I discovered the show. So Alice in Borderland and Squid Game at its core are similar. Play a game, you lose, you die, you win, you move on. But I think Alice in Borderland is more straightforward than Squid Game. I'm like only halfway through the show as of now. Like they don't you know, beat around the bush when it comes to Alice in Wonderland. They let you know, hey, you're going to die if you don't win. Like a Squid Game, they play the game as normal. Then at the end, oh, you lost? Then they kill you. In Alice in Borderland, they play similar kid games, but there's a catch. Like in one episode, I think episode two, they played Tag. And the person that was it was carrying an Uzi. And I was like, yo, this is wild. And these contestants have to play the game because once you enter the games, you can't leave or they'll kill you. And I think you can skip games as well, I want to say. Like, they give you these visas. They're only good for a certain amount of days. And the only way to extend the visa is to play the games and win, I think. Like I said, halfway through the show at the moment. But I like it so far. These two shows are a nice change of pace in your TV rotation. There are already debates on social media like, okay, which one's better, Squid Game or Alice in Borderland? And I'm like, damn, y'all was on Squid Game and now... You know, something new comes up. Y'all like, man, forget Squid Game. We're on Alice in Borderland now. But to me, I like both shows. Highly recommend them for something different in your TV show rotation. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to give this podcast a listen. Thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, subscribes, and any other way you support the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. Like I always say, I will not be here without you, the listener, and I thank you for that. So take care, be safe, and I will see y'all next time.